Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your word. I thank you that your word is, is given to us so that we can understand and, and, and know your heartbeat towards us, God. Thank you that you did not leave us to just kind of figure this whole thing out on our own, but you sent us your word, and then you give us your Holy Spirit, who's the teacher of your word, to teach us and to expand upon uh, our hearts the, the knowledge of who you are towards us. God, as you bless us here at Relevant Church, I ask that you bless all the other churches throughout the area that are preaching your gospel, that they may too be enriched by your word. In Jesus' name I pray, and everybody says, Amen. 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 So we've been in this series, I Was Broke, but now I'm not for the last uh, few weeks. Uh, last week I heard that Scott Espling absolutely smashed and, and brought the word, brought it home uh, in a very, very special way. So thank you, Scott, for preaching the word and filling in. Today I'm going to continue and we're going to be on this series for the next few weeks. Um, I want you to mark your calendar, February 19, I believe it is. We're going to start a new series back in the book of John, John chapter 5, called Son of God. Uh, and so make sure you, you um, start inviting your friends and putting that out there. But today we're going to be in Matthew 25 in this series, I Was Broke But Now I'm Not. How many of you guys have been enjoying this so far? Amen. How many of you guys have uh, joined up in a regroup and started the sessions so far already? How was it? Was it good? You learned something? Ursel came up to me the other day. He was like, I just found $7,000 in my budget. I'm like, really? Can I borrow 3000 He said, nope. I'm learning financial principles. I don't lend to people. <laughs> so anyways, we're going to continue today. And uh, what we're doing today is we're going to look at a parable that Jesus tells in Matthew 25. What Jesus is doing is that he's teaching about the kingdom of God. As a matter of fact, what I'll submit to you is that Jesus' primary, primar primary teaching was always about the kingdom of God. In Mark chapter 1, verse 14 and 15, he opens up his ministry by preaching his first sermon. And he says, behold, the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. This announcement of this kingdom that is at hand and then this response that you and I are supposed to have. Because the kingdom of God is at hand, we are to respond by repenting, changing our mindsets, changing our ways of thinking, changing our, our dispositions and believing in what he is saying is good. And what he's saying we should do. Amen? The kingdom of God. But the thing about the kingdom of God is that most of the time we don't understand, we don't perceive the kingdom of God because we're trapped in the kingdom of man, the kingdom of self, the kingdom of, of what we want to see happen, the kingdom of, of, of oranges and new black and, and housewives of Atlanta and the kingdom of all the things that are happening in the Kardashian home. And, and that's the kingdom that we're stuck in. But there's another kingdom, a kingdom that will last because all the names that you know, all the people that you follow, all the things that you follow as a, as a special trend will fade away. But there's one kingdom, one thing that will stand. It's the kingdom of God. So Jesus is teaching his disciples and whoever would listen about the kingdom of God. And he's trying to explain to them kingdom principles. And, and he says things like the kingdom of God is like and the reason why he has to give and, and is like is because he's giving us a spiritual understanding in, in ways that we can physically understand it. And so in Matthew 25, verse 14, he says these words. And if you read with me, Matthew 25, 14, it says, For it, speaking of the kingdom of God, it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted to them his property called his servants, and entrusted to them his stuff, his property. 
Verse 15, to one, he gave five talents, to another, two, to another, one, to each according to his ability. Then he went away. He who had received the five talents went at once. How, how fast did he do it? He went at once. Did he delay? He went at once and made five more and traded with them and made five more talents. Verse 17, so also he who had two talents made two talents more. But he who received the one talent completely messed up the story. He who had one talent took that one talent and went and dug in the ground and hid his master's money. Now, after a long time, the master of those servants came and settled accounts with them. And he who had received five talents came forward, bringing five talents more, saying, Master, you delivered to me five talents. Here, I have made five talents more. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over little. I'll set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. And he also, who had the two talents, came forward saying, Master, you delivered to me two talents. Here I have made two talents more. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over little. I'll set you over much. Enter into the joy of the master. Notice, notice that both servants, regardless of the amount, received the same commendation. They both were like, enter into the joy of your master. Amen? Verse 24, he also who had received the one talent came forward, saying, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you had scattered no seed. Oh, how poetic, how philosophical he is. Isn't it interesting how whenever we have an excuse, we kind of try to sound more articulate? Says, so I was afraid, and I, and I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here you have what is yours. But his master answered him, you wicked and slothful servant. You knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I scatter no seed? Then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers. And at my coming, I should have received what was my own with interest. So take the talent from him and give it to the one who has ten talents. For to everyone who has more will be given, and he will, and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. And cast the worthless servant into outer darkness. In that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. To find out more, go to Revelation. <laughs> These are the words of Jesus. Nice, loving Jesus. Jesus, so sweet and tender and gentle says these words. He opens up his message, his parable, by saying, this kingdom of mine is like a a man going on a journey who calls his servant. Point number one, uh, the way that Jesus explains the the, the kingdom is in in, in a parable speaking about money or, or resources. Because everyone deals with money. Point number one, everyone deals with money, whether you're good with money or bad with money. Some of us, whenever uh, you're hearing someone talk about money, it sounds like Charlie Brown. Some of us can go to different financial seminars and you hear people talking and and all you hear is like, well, money's like a canoe with four wheels and and, and a cheese butter uh, paddle. And you're just kind of like... And they call on you to answer a question. You're like, I don't eat chicken. <laughs> That's about as much sense as you can make of money. 
Regardless of your aptitude with money, your attitude towards money, you still have to deal with money. Everybody deals with money at some uh, level or another. And what I've come to believe is that everyone can accomplish what God has called them to accomplish no matter what kind of income they make. You can be faithful to what God is calling you to do with very little or with abundance. It doesn't matter what you have. God has equipped it to you so that you can be faithful and accomplish your God-given potential with what you have. Amen. Do you believe that? It says, this master was going on a journey, and he called his servants and entrusted to them his property. Now, for us... When we read this, it's kind of like, oh, that's a cool story. You know, there's a, there's a guy, and he's going on a trip, and he'll probably go to Cancun for a while. He's built up this big enterprise, and so he wants to take a vacation, so he calls his servants. We, we don't understand their context. The people who are hearing the story from Jesus are just kind of like, what? Are you serious? This a master takes his property and gives it to a slave? That's unheard of. That's awesome. That's, that's crazy. People don't do that. Because Jesus is explaining something that is, that is not human. This idea of a master giving something to his servant, to his slave, is, is not of this world. It is something that is extraterrestrial. It is from outer somewhere else where, where only God dwells. Because as far as a master is to a slave, as far as we are to God. See, in their days, there's no idea of, of where I'm, I start off as a slave. I, you know, I was born as a slave, and then I, I worked my way up to being a half a slave. And then I, I called in for University of Phoenix online college degree, and I, I became a, a, um, a semi-slave. But then I, I, I picked up another uh, hobby, and I was selling some stuff on eBay, and, and then I became a master. There was none of that. There's no, no step on how to no longer be a slave. In their day, if you were a slave, if you were a servant, that's what you were. Your kids became slaves, and their kids were going to be slaves. If you were a master, you were going to be a master, and your child was going to be a master. It was a caste system that kept people wherever they were at. But here's the story of a master who calls his servant and entrusts them with his property, blesses them, and graces them with his stuff. Sort of like how God comes down to us and blesses us with his blessings. Amen. Touches us. We couldn't walk up and work up our way to God and say, God, I'm now good enough. You can now give me something. No, God just says, you know what? I know you're, I want to just bless you. This master blesses these slaves, these servants with his stuff. And and, and point number two is God has blessed us all with something. God has blessed us all with something. There there are three servants, three servants that that, that are spoken of, uh, three different blessings, three different gifts that that, that the master gives them and, and, and They're not the same. They're not equal, but they're equally blessed. Amen? And and, and what you see here is in in the text, and you got to say it with me. It says, to one he gave five talents, to another he gave two, to another he gave one. Say it with me. To each 
according to his ability. To each according to his ability. I, I, I love it that God considers my ability before he gives me his stuff. I, I, I think that's good news. The other part of good news is that when I read this, I was like, finally, I have a text that proves something that I've been thinking all my life in a different way. God is not fair. It's not fair. That, that's not fair. I mean, if I was one of the servants, so I was servant number one, I get five. I'm like, oh, that's good. Number two, you get two. What? <laughs> number one, you get one. That's not fair. Fair would have been two for you, 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 two for you. That's fair, right? But God and the master knows your ability, your innovation capacity, your stress capacity. And so it says five, two, one. You're Harold. <laughs> Creative license. Each according to their ability. He may not be fair, but he's just. He's just. And, he, and, and what he did was just. He, he knows their ability, each according to their ability, and he, he blessed them according to what he knew that they could do. Isn't it funny that when you are faced with a trial in your life, a temptation in your life, a stressful situation in your life, the Bible also tells you that he will not let you take on more than you can bear because he knows your ability. And so sometimes the blessing and the trial are also given to us and allowed for us to go through because he knows what we can handle. Amen? That's good news for me. God considered it. So check this out. If you're one of those people who are like, you know, oh my gosh, I've got all these bills and, I, and I'm only making $8.83 because I'm at Starbucks and uh, I don't know if I can handle this. God's like, I know what you can handle. I've blessed you with the job. You can also steward this. Is that making sense to anybody? Each according to his ability. I, uh, I have a question for you. If, if God has given each of us something, how have you managed it? How, how did you manage what God gave you last year? How are you managing it? I, I have a friend, his name is Joe. Joe's a financial planner and uh, told me a story as I was preparing for the series. And, and he said uh, there, there was a family at a church that he, he, he attends that uh, was going through some major financial difficulties. And, and finally the wife called, you know, because usually the, the husband doesn't want to call and get help what men do. We sometimes get stubborn. Yeah, if you can't say amen, say ouch. <laughs> so the wife called and set up an appointment and they got together and 
Joe went over to their house, and they pulled out their bills, and they had an, a, uh, a budget set up and everything. And so they're going through the different line items. And so finally they come to their monthly groceries. And it's a family of four. They have uh, two adults and two teenagers. And, and so they get to their monthly groceries, and it says $150. And Joe slammed the paper and says, wait a minute. Is this per week or per person? Like, no, it's per month for all of us. Joe's like, that doesn't make sense. They're like, yes, we're trying to bring it down to $100 a month. So, well, y'all are going to be skinny. <laughs> I kept on going. Finally, they get to a line that says goats, $400 per month. And so Joe's like, goats? Is this an abbreviation for something? And so the husband says, oh, no, 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 we're part of an organization called 4-H. Uh, where we take care of some goats, and it's uh, twice a day we drive 45 minutes to go feed the goats. And, and so $400 is what it costs us to feed the goats. So Joe just kind of looked at him and said, okay, all right, cool. He finished out the budget, and then he looked at them and says, I have some very good news. You guys can win with your money. When are you guys going to go feed the goats again? He says, well, th- this afternoon. We're going to go feed the goats this afternoon. It's like, great. When you go there, take a shotgun and kill the goats and cook the goats. <laughs> we all have goats. Things that we're feeding into, but they're not the important things. We all have goats, and sometimes you have to kill the goats. Uh, Pauline and I were, were uh, working on our budget of few months back. It's always a stressful time. Come on. Starting a trend where pastors can be honest. Even for me, when we get to the table and we start talking about money, she's kind of like, oh gosh. <laughs> so we start talking about stuff and, and she's like, um, well, honey, uh, you have a membership to LA Fitness? <laughs> this was a while ago, Harold. <laughs> I've since then canceled it. But she's like, you have, you have this membership. When's, when's the last time you went? Uh, when I went to get the membership. <laughs> I, go, I go buy it all the time, though. She's like, how do you go buy it all the time? When I'm going to Grapal. <laughs> Amen. I'll eat my Grapal, amazing Thai cuisine. And as I leave Grapal, I'll wave at LA Fitness. After many years of eating Grapal, I'll have to see you, LA Fitness. <laughs> so she said, uh, I don't know if this is making sense for us anymore. So I was like, all right, all right, cool, cool. Then we got to AT&T U-verse. I was like, babe, we have AT&T U-verse, $170 per month. When's the last time you watched TV? We looked at each other like, yeah, it had been a year and a half since we sat down to watch TV shows. But we're paying monthly just because there was one program that was in season and then they canceled it and no longer. In, and you know the story, but they get you. So now we have Netflix and Hulu. $12.99 a month. Good to go. No commercials. And you get the entire season all at once. Kill the goats. What are your goats? What are you paying for? What are you feeding into 
that, that, that you're having to sacrifice important things for? What are your goats? Every one of us has been blessed, blessed equally in different increment, but what are we doing with what God has blessed? You guys with me? It says, he who received, verse 16, he who received five talents went at once and traded with them and made five talents more. So also he who had two talents made two talents more. He who received one talent went and dug in the ground and hid his master's money. Verse 19, point number three, we will all be held accountable. Now, after a long time, the master of those servants came and settled accounts with them. The master comes back from Cancun, has a great tan, and he calls his servants, and he says, let's settle the accounts. What have you done with what I entrusted you with? Brother number five shows up. He's like, well, master, you gave me five. And I just imagine him doing some sort of Michael Jackson moonwalk thing and, ha, you know. Give me five. I got five more. <laughs> Gave me five. I got five more. Brother number two shows up. He's like, well, Shazam, I got two more. Brother number one shows up. He's like, well, uh, what had happened was, oh, uh, uh, you, well, you know, you know. Know what I'm saying? <laughs> we'll all be held accountable for what God has given. Here's what's happening. I, I, I just, just because I'm a human and I think this way, I can just imagine number five saying, I have five more. I have ten now. And then number, number two saying, you gave me two. Now I have four. And, and he's excited. I, I have four now. And, and the master's like, well, well done, my good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of my Lord. He celebrates like, yes, 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 yes. And number five is kind of like, dude, you have four. I, I, I have ten. Why are you so happy? And number four is like, listen, brother, as far as I measure it, we both made a 100% increase on what was given to us. We both won according to our ability. I've said this before, you know, the brother who received one talent, right? How how many of y'all feel like you're one-talent people? I I believe I'm a one-talent person. That's because I also believe that those who are given the least amount are those that God expects the most from. It's because he feels as if you're more creative than those who are given everything that they need. Some of you are like, I don't know how this works. I don't see this. We'll make up a parable. Let's say there was a billionaire who had a son. This billionaire was a tech genius, and he knew how to make all kinds of computer chips. And, and then his son learned the trade from his father and then left his father, father's household with his inheritance and took his inheritance to start another tech company. Would you be wowed? How about the story of a college student who's broke, who's tinkering around with the computer, and he creates a whole new software system where people can become friends online 
and then it grows into a billionaire, a billion-dollar business. Are you impressed? Because he started out with little. Perhaps the master was like, you're getting five because you need more. You're getting two. You need a little. One, you're creative. I don't need to give you a whole lot. Sometimes we face opportunity. And when that opportunity is given to all of us, has been given to us, instead of exposing our talent, we bury it and expose our fear. We need to bury our fear and expose our talent. We need to bury our fear and expose our talent. Say, God, I, you know what? I have this, and I'm not going to just bury it somewhere, but I'm going to take the risk to do something with it. Because God, see, the thing is this, is that, is that when you look at this text, and I was looking at it very carefully this week in my, in my meditation or my medication. I was sick, and so it's somewhere in between medication and meditation. I, I, I saw something that I've never really paid attention to in the, in the Scripture. The Scripture says that the master, calls his servants and entrusts his property to them and then goes on a journey. There's a problem there. There's a problem there. Uh, who here has, uh, is, is a manager of a, of a business or, or anything? Okay. Chris, you, have, you do HR management, right? Do you have to tell your employees what they're supposed to do? If you've ever owned a business and had employees and you leave them with some resources or some equipment, you have to give them instructions. And if they don't do something because you didn't tell them how to do it, whose fault is it? It's your fault. This master calls his servants, gives them stuff, but doesn't give instructions. He doesn't give instructions. But there's still an expectation for increase. There's still an expectation for increase, which tells me that instinctively all of us are built and wired to increase what God gives us. All of us are. Whatever level we're at, we're supposed to instinctively look at it, get it, and work that thing. God does not want you to receive something and give it back to him the same way that he gave it to you. If he gave you a a talent to sing, he doesn't want to come back and say so. You sing, yeah, la, 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 that's all I know. That's what you gave me. You gave me this, and yeah, yeah, you can have it back just the way you gave it to me. No, he wants you to, to take that thing, sand it down, and work that thing. He wants you to take that piece of wood, sand it down, make a chair with it. That's the creative process of God. He's a creator, and he makes you to be creative. Work that thing. got five dollars in your pocket let me clear my throat (laughs) work that thing work that thing if you have to balance the budget on a very limited income God is saying work that thing his divine power has given you everything you need for life and godliness so that you can work that thing If he's given you much, guess what he expects you to do with it? Work that thing. If you're facing trials and and all kinds of stress because of what what you have, guess what he expects you to do? Work that thing. This week when you look at your budget, guess what I want you to do with it? 
work that thing. Because there will be a time when God's going to come and say, did you work that thing? You didn't work that thing. You didn't shake what your mama gave you? <laughs> he expects us to increase. First thing he tells Adam after he's created the perfect garden for him, he tells him, be fruitful and multiply this thing. Because I don't want to come back and get it the same way I gave you. Work that thing. There'll be two questions that God's going to ask when he returns. Number one question is going to be, what did you do with my son? Number two, what did you do with my stuff? What did you do with my son? And what did you do with my stuff? Some of you here are in that category of brother number five and brother number two where you're saying God has given me this and this is what I'm working it. Man, I'm, I've been able to take this and, 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 and grow it and, and, and build it and, and look at my talent. I'm able to, to, to take this thing and work it and sand it down and, and make something of it. I, I, I started off with, with a, a broken home and I had to get a GED, but I took night classes and I worked that thing and now I'm in middle management at my a company because I've been working that thing. I, I, I started off from this place and you get what I'm saying? And you're working it. There's, there's three things I want you to, to remember. Number one, you need to thank God. You need to thank God. Because God is, when, whenever I give somebody a, a present or a gift, guess what I want? I want to see them be excited with it, right? And I at least want to get a thank you. Amen? Amen? And then I'll kind of, you know, do the false humility. Say, oh, you don't have to thank me. <laughs> don't, don't thank me. De nada. Hmm? Number two, if you're winning with the resources that God has given you, number two, I want you to tell somebody. Tell somebody. Those of you who are older and a little bit wiser, Man, let me tell you something. There are younger folks here who've never had a grandpa show them how to change an oil and save 30 bucks. There's some of us who've never had an uncle pull us aside and say, here's how you buy a used car. We've never had someone who said, when they send you the credit card offer, look at the interest rates. And use only in emergency and pay it off. Don't use the... Tell someone. Teach it. The area of of discipleship, which I believe is the most important area, is the area of financial stewardship. If you're winning, tell someone. Pull somebody, pull some of these young people around. Guys, let me tell you something. Harry Sonke has, he's in the financial services business. And I'm like, you know, I don't promote people's businesses, but I just saw him sitting there. If you ever want to know how you can set some things up, you've got Harry Sonke, you've got Jerry Ricketts here, you've got Kevin Williams, you've got all kinds of people. You've got Shamika Tankerson, who's like a, a guru at this stuff. 
quick story. I, I, I'll tell this story. Janelle Espling. I remember when she was working to buy her home. She told me, she says, I went and met with Shamika Tankerson and she helped me redo my entire credit. I never thought I could own a home. But somebody told me how to do it. Tell someone. Is that good stuff or what? Number three. Very important. If you're winning, guard your heart. Because it's very easy to start trusting in the provision and forget about the provider. And so your 401k, when you start not guarding your heart, your 401k can become a 201k and then just become special K very quickly. (laughs) Guard your heart. Guard your heart. If you're in number one or in another category where you're just telling each other broke jokes, Man, I'm so, I'm so broke, I go to Kentucky Fried Chicken to lick other people's fingers. I'm so broke that when people come to the house, I yell ding-dong out the window. But then there's some broke jokes that aren't so funny. I'm so broke that my car's bumper sticker should read, I'm driving my tithe. I'm so broke that I use my credit cards to make the difference each month, and then I got a new credit card so I can pay off those credit cards. And that cycle keeps repeating itself. God calls you to be financially free. And for some of you, it's going to take a miracle in order to start walking in that freedom. Guess what? He's a miracle-working God. Amen? He's a God of miracles. He can turn things around, right? Mm. Y'all making me want to get Baptist on you. Oh, my goodness. Late in the midnight hour, God's going to turn it around. Oh, man. That's the type of God that we serve. Amen? That God, when there was no way, he makes a way out of no way. Amen? That's the type of God. That we serve. Get plugged in. Start walking in obedience. I'll leave you with this. In my medication, or my meditation, I realized something. I I told you a couple weeks ago that the area of financial stewardship and giving God offerings was the area that as a Christian I struggled with. Remember that story? Okay. So... Because it was an area that I struggled for and I've gotten victory, sometimes you still struggle there, right? How many of y'all are walking in victory over something, but you still kind of have like lingering thoughts? Okay. Uh, This year, 2014, I believe that God's calling my family to, to give more and to bless God's people more. And whenever you feel that calling on your heart and you don't know how to do it, it's very easy to say, um, God, does, do you really require this of us? And it hit me that financial stewardship, what God calls us to do with our finances, is not because God needs the money. Oh. I was like, you don't need the money? 
I don't need the money. God's Italian. And then it dawned on me that every time I've had to work out my budget a certain way in order to make room for giving towards God, I've also had to go and look at everywhere else where I'm spending money. Because now if I'm, if, I, and, and if I'm giving 18%, I don't do the 10% thing. That's for people under the law. Uh, under grace, I do a lot more than that. Amen? Even Ava got an amen on that. Thank you. Like, God, every year I want to I do more for you. And, but it requires me to start looking at everywhere else. What are the goats that I got to kill? This week, I want you to start thinking, what are those goats? What are those goats? Write them down and cross them out. Amen.